Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 276, recorded at Big Dog Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is brought to you by Mud Pod Design House. Ideas are great. They're what businesses are made of. If you have an idea and want to make it a business, you need a website. Mudpoddesign.com makes websites for idea people every day. Practicalherbalist.com. Get info on plants and plant medicine that's supported by science and tradition at thepracticalherbalist.com. We make herbalism practical and easy. Thepracticalherbalist.com. <laughs> the idea of saving seed has the ring of romance and old-timey nostalgia about it. For many herbalists, it's a neat idea we may or may not implement, and when we do, we're often not super thoughtful at it. Today we're talking with Elise and Jeff Higley of Ashala Farm about the art of saving seed for healthy, bio-regionally adapted herbal success. Now here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter. I'm Patrick Hunter. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Radio. Welcome back, Elise and Jeff. Thank you. So Thanks for having us back. Yeah, thank I'm, you. I'm really happy to see you here today. Well, we're happy to be here. So I, I was, as we were doing the intro, and I, I, I kept having this, and I can't remember where it came from, maybe Candace would remember, but there was this comedy thing. It's like, no, no, no. First you sow the seed, and then you get the seed. <laughs> so, so the whole idea of of getting the seed, you know, uh, I take it for granted. I I call up uh, what Cascade Farms or whatever the the, yeah, the, yeah, the seed so. place in Cottage Grove and get my seeds and go, you know. But I don't think about the backside of that. What goes into getting those seeds in that packet? Hmm. So. We have the herbal experts with us today to tell us how to get the good seeds in that packet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll let Jeff, I mean, for us, yeah, it's a little different too because we're buying pounds of seeds normally, yeah. right? Or saving right. pounds right. of seeds. So that's a whole other challenge in itself. Um, but yeah, we can talk to you about what we do on our farm. Yeah, and I think, you know, really it, it comes down to there's just so much importance in, um, you know, really where their seeds coming from and the quality of the seed and how that really reflects through the whole process of growing the plant and the eventual harvest. So excited to talk about, you know, how we do it here at Oshala and, and how hopefully you can implement some of our ideas on your homes. Yes. I love the idea that there is actually different qualities in seeds and you can tell, I assume once the plants are starting to grow, I don't, I mean, I'll admit freely that I'm not very good at saving seed. Yeah, well, that's one of the steps. Um, one thing I think that is really exciting and wonderful to mention is that where we are in Jackson County, um, Southern Oregon, is we actually live in a GMO-free uh, county. Oh, so wow. it's actually illegal to uh, grow any uh, GMO or genetically engineered uh, crops in our county. So we fought really hard with the Citizens Initiative vote in uh, 2014 to pass that ban oh. so you don't have to worry about that because that is one thing when you're saving your own seed any kind of uh you know wind pollination that you might not even know about if there's ge farms around you and you're saving seed that could be um contaminate your own crop which makes it federally illegal to save or sell your seed Wow. So we don't have to worry about so that much part. Of a challenge with herb crops, but right. we have a lot of small seed growers in Jackson and Josephine County in our region, and yeah. it was a big challenge for them, uh, especially. And 
just to be able to uh, own the seed that you save is really an important aspect for farmers. Right, that is huge. I didn't even realize that there were counties that have been able to ban GMOs in at that level. That's yeah. amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was quite yeah. a feat. I don't think our county has that. Probably not. We tried. It's... I think your county tried, but they uh, when when uh, Jackson and Josephine County put the initiative on uh, for vote that year, the state of Oregon took away the rights for all local levels to vote on seed issues. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just felt my blood pressure rise. <laughs> no, what happens with money and politics, right? Yeah. Oh. Anyways, that'll be a whole nother show. That's a whole nother <laughs> show, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, for yeah. us, I think, you know, and I think a lot of, you know, home herbal gardeners uh, could probably resonate is we were spending a lot of money in seed. Yeah. And we realized that a lot of the seed we were buying was coming from China or other places in the world that weren't necessarily the same climate or mm-hmm. um, environment that we were growing it in. Right. And um, we were having a lot of challenges getting crops to even yield for us um, based on the seed that was available. And it kind of became this mission to, A, save some money because we were just trying to make ends meet, but also to, to get a seed that we could actually be profitable with. And there's several instances where we were able to, you know, take a crop that wasn't uh, profitable at all for us and make it where we could actually afford to grow it in Oregon. Nice. Um, just from being really conscientious about how we're saving the seed and we're we're selecting the seed, so um, you know so we should start start through the process. Yeah, so what is what a is plant it? that you love? Yeah, and you want to save the seed. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you know, obviously, like you said, first thing is uh, sowing the seed and growing the plant, or you, maybe you buy the plant or you have the plants already there. And um, not all plants that we grow and herbs actually produce seed, you know, things like French tarragon or the mints family. Um, mint will produce seed, but it won't be true to type. Um, so a lot of times when we're selecting for a certain variety, we're taking cuttings or, or something like that. But the vast majority of herbs that we grow, we start from seed. And I think this year we're starting almost probably about 850,000 plants in the greenhouse, uh, which will require probably like 1.6, 1.8 million seeds. Um, And one of the things that's interesting about herb seed is vegetable seeds are federally required to meet germination standards. So you'll see right there on the packet that it's got an 80% or 90% or 95% germination rate. There are no requirements for herb seeds and germination. So um, we had a lot of problems even getting seeds to germinate well in our conditions. And um, so we kind of, you know, going back, I think, What's really important is if, you know, the seed will produce at some point. And the problem is a lot of times we're harvesting the plant before it goes to seed, right? right. If we're taking nettle, for instance, or a lot of these herbaceous tops, Tulsi, um, really anything that we're looking at the, the herb, it, we're, we're usually a lot of the herbs, they meet their peak uh, value of medicinal value or constituent value right as it's before it's about to flower. So um, it's taking it past that point of harvest all the way through flower and then to mature seed. Um, It's a much longer process than just taking it to where you're going to harvest it for your own use. Right. So like in your garden or like on our farm, we'll leave the end row or a section of the plants to go to seed. So we know that we're not going to harvest that section. So if there's like a plant that you love, let's just give Tulsi for an example. Yeah. Such a nice one. 
Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. you know, so Tulsi is an annual. And if you think about what an annual's job is, their entire purpose is to produce seed for the next generation in that in that year. So their whole goal is to produce seed. And when you uh, when you take the tops off or when you harvest it before it does seed, it will sprout again and put out new flowers, right? Yeah. And uh, we you know we call it deadheading or we're harvesting, and you can get multiple cuts from that. But their whole mission is before winter comes, they want to produce mature seeds so that next generation can come. Because they're only there for the year. That's why it's right. an annual, not a perennial. Right. <laughs> so you know we'll save. What we usually do is we'll look for specific qualities in side of our field or inside of our garden that we really like. And um, for Tulsi, for instance, when we first bought Tulsi, we couldn't get it to go much above our ankles. We were buying seed out of Europe or out of uh, India a lot, and it wasn't adapted to our region. And we just couldn't get it to grow very tall before it would just flower out and and go to seed. And we just couldn't get any yield. Um, so we actually had an opportunity to grow some Tulsi and um, for a contract. And I reached out to our mentor, uh, Mark Wheeler, who founded Pacific Botanicals, which is just down the road from us here in, in uh, Grants Pass. And he goes, well, you know, I've been selecting uh, Tulsi for 20 something years. I'd be happy to share some seed with you. Uh -huh. And we we literally planted in the same field the seed that we were buying commercially and then the seed that we received from uh, Mark. And Mark's went knee high before it went into flower. Oh, and all of a sudden it was like, oh man, this is something that we could actually do. And it took like in this case, decades of him choosing plants that were would flower later in the season to yeah. be able to get a higher yielding crop. And you know because we have some warm summers in southern Oregon, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. It gets hot and it just it just blows out. Um so you know, it's just really that's when it really like dawned on us, like, wow, okay bioregionally adapted seed that's being specifically um, harvested for, you know, a specific purpose can change the entire game and take a crop that we couldn't grow. And all of a sudden now we can grow it. Well, that's you could crazy. grow it, but you just couldn't harvest it and sell it at a price that you weren't losing money. Right. <laughs> yeah. For your own right. garden, it might work. Right. But if you're doing that, you know, and you want to get a big enough yield, it would, it wouldn't have made sense. It didn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's how we've come to have a lot of the vegetables we are used to eating mm -hmm. today. Like corn didn't start off with these giant ears of sweet yellow right. corn. It was really tiny ears. And I don't think they were all that sweet. Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> All right. For better or worse, we're at where we are with corn, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, so I think that was kind of the real awakening point of like, hey, we really need to not only save some money, but we need to really focus on making this a primary focus on the farm. And I think as as home herbalists and home gardeners, it's a lot easier, actually. Um, you know, we have a smaller selection of plants and we can, you know, be more intentional with our processes to make sure that we're getting, uh, you know, getting some seed to harvest every year. And, and a lot of times it's just letting some of it go to seed, um, yeah. you know, so having enough plants or even part of the plant that we don't harvest to allow it to get mature. Um, and so let's then, keep following with Tulsi. The Tulsi is going into flower. So it goes into flower. We allow it to go past flower into seed. And then at some point that seed's gonna wanna drop in its own natural setting, right? If right. you don't get it in time, it's gonna, it's gonna drop. So we're looking for that perfect moment where the seed is mature. And mature seed's gonna be typically, uh, you know, well, it's gonna, it's not gonna be green. So, you know, in Tulsi it's gonna be black. Or, um, 
you know, but calendula could be white or kind of like a, a brownish color. So we're looking for that seed to be mature before we harvest it, because if we get it too young, it won't be uh, viable oftentimes. It won't germinate. And um, and then we need to get out there at that exact moment before the birds get it, mm-hmm. before the wind knocks it off and and then capture it. And and, you know, the typical thing is you knock the Tulsi plant and, and Tulsi seed goes everywhere. So how do you capture that? You know, whether we're putting out sheets or we're putting a, a bag under to, to knock it into the bag, um, you know, and a lot of the seed that we're growing is being hand harvested. Um, I'd say 99 percent is we're out there specifically hand harvesting the seed for uh, what we're looking for. And then, so you can either you can either hand cut it and put it into like, say, paper bags or into a bucket, mm-hmm. like let the top of the dry, you know, the flower yeah. that's gone to seed drop into your bucket. That way you're not losing all the seed. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, if you just cut it and carry it to wherever you're taking it, like Jeff said, yeah. the majority of the way. seed's going to be gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, Tulsi spring yeah, seed dry, Just right. like our herbs yeah. need to dry. But typically when you harvest mature seed, it is fairly dry. So we're going to put that out on a screen and maybe run a fan over it. We don't want to use heat typically for seeds because heat mm-hmm. can, uh, you know, kill the the viability of it, uh, especially a lot of heat. But we want to make sure when we put that seed away in a bag that it's not moist and we'll you come back and you got a bunch of uh, moldy seed, which is no longer viable. Um, so sometimes for the Tulsi, especially like a small seed, we'll put like a sheet down yeah. on our screens mm-hmm. and then we'll put all those kind of dried flowers on there and let the seed, the rest of the seed fall out of the Tulsi yeah. and then kind of hand process it out before we store the seed. Yeah. And Tulsi in particular is actually so amazing because it has this beautiful fragrance to the seed. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever smelled Tulsi seed, mm-hmm. but we keep most of our seed in glass jars and you open up that jar and it's just like this aromatic oh. perfume of Tulsi seed. It's just so amazing. Yeah. So anyways, that's yeah. a fun and one. That, that is a good point is a lot of herb seeds are very small. So yeah. it's it's a lot of fine work. Um, and then, you know, after it's dried, then at some point, we get time, we go through and we clean it and just so winter time is right yeah, now. Usually for us, us it's, it's winter. We'll store mm-hmm. it a lot of times, even still in the flower, that's dry. Mm-hmm. And then we'll come back and process that later when we have time um, to, to clean it. Um, and then we're trying to get it as clean as possible so that we can uh, increase the germination rate. And there's a lot of different ways we do that. We have screens of varying sizes and we could sift out stuff that's too small, stuff that's too big. Get, get the, the prime seed. Um, we're winnowing with air. So we'll actually run fans where we, we kind of pour out the seed in front of the fan and the, the chafe and the, the less viable seed is usually lighter than the mature seed and will blow off um, and we can capture the best seed. And there's a lot of different techniques to increase your germination rate, but at home, it's not so important. I mean, it could be as simple as I'm going to knock this seed right here because I want it to grow again in the same spot. Yeah. You know, um, you know, hey, my my plant's doing well right here. I'm just going to go out when it's mature and I'm going to knock some seed in that area and some's going to go to the birds. Some's not going to make it because of sun or weather depredation over the winter. You know, it's going to freeze and thaw. And a lot of our herb seeds need that. We yeah. Just to germinate, it needs to go through this overwintering cycle. Um, the plants have this inherent knowledge where they need to go through one or sometimes even two cold seasons to actually germinate. And that's one of the interesting things about herb seed as opposed to vegetables is a lot of them need stratification, which is whether it's a cold period or it needs to be scarified. So um, elderberry seed, for instance, 
typically what happens is a bird eats the elderberry the, the elderberry the seed actually goes yeah. through the, the digestive tract of the bird which that the acids in that actually break down some of the coating on that seed and then the, the bird you know defecates it out or you know drops it in different locations and now the the coating that protected that seed from germinating has actually been broken down a little bit and now it's viable so right. we're always looking at how do we mimic these natural systems in the greenhouse or, right. or without, without eating and pooping that could get messy <laughs> and it could make some people nauseous yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I wanted to mention too that Strictly Medicinals has some really great um, seed cleaning and processing screen kits. Yeah, um, that are really great for like a garden. I think they come in a set of maybe eight or ten yeah. different size screens, um, and they're you know they're not giant, but they're perfect for the, the you know we even use a lot of them for our scale. Mm-hmm. Um, they do. You can move a lot of seed through them, and um, you know and and. Strictly Medicinals is also an amazing source for seed and a lot of knowledge in seed too. There's a lot there. Um, Richo has really been a pioneer. Um, so there's a lot there. But um, So that's one kind of seed to harvest. Yeah. And I think, you know, no matter what it is, like at the end of the day, like all these plants came from nature at some point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I was mentioning Mark Wheeler or Richo or um, Ed, um, Ed Smith from uh, Herb Farm, a lot of these plants were not in cultivation. They were out wildcrafted. And even today, we're wildcrafting a lot of plants. But at some point, they realized we couldn't keep up with it. So they actually went out into the wild and harvested these seeds. And then over time, they they slowly uh, go after certain, you know, things that they're looking in, in the population. And um, I think it's important to realize that seed is you know, I mentioned like cuttings, that's an asexual propagation. So it's, it's true to type. It's, it's going to be the exact same genetically as its parent, where seed is a sexual form of propagation. So we're taking male and female plants, uh, parts, and sometimes it's on the same plant. They both have male and female flowers or whatever. And then those combine to create seed. And just like you and me, we could have brothers and sisters and everything else that came from the exact same parents. And each seed is is genetically diverse from the other. So when you plant out a thousand seeds from the same parent, they're all going to be slightly different. Yeah. And um, and then you're going to see, especially when you get a large stand of, 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 of a plant, you're going to see a lot of genetic diversity out there. And then that's where seed selection comes into play. I have a new bookmark for you to add to your browser, therealherbmarket.com. This is your new go-to for all your herbal products. Is your one-stop shop. You can peruse the many stores from verified herbalists from around the country, allowing you to shop locally if you prefer, or to get an herbal from an herbalist that specializes in products you do not have access to. Visit therealherbmarket.com to shop for your next salve, tincture, or tea. Then make sure to bookmark it and come back. See them again at therealherbmarket.com. And so, how do you guys select, or how do you recommend, or you know, what what's a good way to select? Okay, okay, okay. Before you go okay. there, I've got questions. I, I got questions. There's a whole slew of people that got questions. So, so let's begin. <laughs> He's got a list. <laughs> so, the first thing we can you take a plant that wasn't uh, bio regionally adapted and then over a course of time adapt it to your area? 
Yes. Yeah, that's the idea, right? Because most of us don't have seed that is grown in our area. You know, you're you're fortunate enough to have some seed companies in your area, but not all of us are. Right. We are too. But yeah, so the idea is you get a seed and you start to grow it out in your garden and your space that you're going to, and you're saving that seed. And each year you're saving the, the, the strongest, healthiest plants, you know, of that and group. And that's look, kind of, yeah. right. And the one that does best for you. And I think right. we've seen it in examples like Echinacea and Gustafolia, for instance, very hard seed to germinate typically. It requires a double cold stratification. We've over time been able to, at first we had no success at it all. And now we've been able to save the seeds that work with our system as, you know, it, it didn't work that well, but the ones that were successful, we saved the seed from those plants. And then we slowly were getting better and better uh, germination rate off of those plants because the ones that survived off of our style, uh, they're producing usually uh, offspring that are, that will have a higher propensity to, to work with that same thing. Right. So, or uh, yeah, for us too, we're working with white sage. And so we're saving the seed that does well with the winter, right? Mm -hmm. So we're like, oh, these plants survived over the winter in Southern Oregon. Let's save the seed from those and yeah. keep growing those. So, yeah. so well, let's not get and too And it does take time. It does take time. So it's not something that happens at once. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, takes, years. it takes years. And okay. you know, like the example from uh, the Tulsi, it was decades. But really, within three to five years, you're going to see a major difference in the plant quality from the seeds you're saving there on your at your home. So that's really cool. Farm, at your farm. Mm -hmm. um, so, how do I identify seeds for their maturity overall? I mean, how do we? How do you know when they're mature? I know you, you gave the example of Tulsi, but um, I'm very very unscientific about it. It's like, oh. There's a flower pod. The plant is drying out. It's the fall. There must be seed time. So right, how do right. you select that maturity? How do you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of it, too, is the timing of things, too. Some people just don't have the best weather to save seed, mm -hmm. right? Like we live in Southern Oregon where it's a, usually a dry uh, fall. Mm -hmm. So if you you know you have to be really careful to mold on seed. Yeah. Um, so that's so part of it. I think a lot of the maturity is you're looking for the plant to desiccate naturally. So it's going to start drying down on its own. It's going to start almost dying back. Whether it's a perennial that's dying back for the season or whatever else, you're going to see the the plant make a shift. You know, maybe maybe it's only in July. Nettle seed is coming ripe in July. It's a spring crop, really. And then it puts out seed and it's green typically when it's immature, which is when we harvest it for medicinal value. But then you'll start to see the, uh, you know, calyx. the calyx or the, the, the casing around the seed will start to dry out and, and soften. And you'll see a lot of plants where there's both mature and immature seed on the same plant. Um, and, and that's kind of a, a learning process to see, oh, wow, okay, this flower has a bunch of dry seed, but this flower is not yet mature. Um, so, you know, you're, it, it, it takes time, but really you're looking for that drying quality and usually the color is going to change from a green to whether it's a brown or a, a, a black or even a tan color, but you're going to see a change from that kind of vibrant, uh, green lifelike color to something that looks, you know, not to say dead, but it's, it's more, more desiccated and more finished sure. for lack of a better term. Yeah, it's on that part of its life cycle. Indian okay. A couple more. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, would you say does seed size equate to viability in that plant? Not no. always. Um, 
it it's a, a lot of times it's about weight within the size. So sometimes you'll have this a bunch of seeds that's the same size, but um, the mature seed will be heavier actually okay. because it's got more material within inside that space. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and sometimes it's it's the opposite of what you think. Like calendula, for instance, we found that the biggest flowers actually have the smallest seeds um, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, and some of the smaller flower varieties have bigger seeds. So it's not always based on size, um, though sometimes it is. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, it's and then, like herbalism. It's like all of those, you know, it's always this way except for that. Yeah. Except yeah. for inside. Yeah. Um, I think part of it too, and just hearing some of this, and like, you know, obviously we're not like, you know, uh, seed saving teachers per se, clearly <laughs> organized at this, but, um, you know, part of it just makes you realize like how detailed and how much work it all is that you really just start to appreciate that packet of seed you buy, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, just start to think like all of the time and energy that mm -hmm. a farmer put into, to gathering that amazing seed for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So just even, and it's so much of it is observation. Like you are saying, like you're looking at the plant and you're like, sometimes you go back to look at the plant and you're like, wow, last time when I just looked at that plant the other day, it was ready to harvest and the seed, and now I missed the window. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then you learn next year. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, a lot of it is just about being an observer. And I think an important part is we have a lot of, uh, you know, I see a lot of times people are afraid to do something because they're not going to do it perfectly. Mm -hmm. And something, you don't need to do it perfect. If you're not selling seed, it doesn't have to be, perfectly mature. It doesn't have to be, you know, perfectly selected. It's about getting uh, a percentage of success. And the more you do it, you're going to increase that, that percentage of success. And it's better to have one viable seed out of a hundred than to not save any seed at all. So, you know, it's a process of just doing and just connecting with that plant and just really just not being too hard on yourself and not being afraid to mess up. You're not going to mess it up. The plant wants to have a next generation. It's going to try to help you. <laughs> sure. Just kind of being being a, a, observ a big observationalist and just really watching and listening to the, what the plant's trying to tell you. Um, the last thing before we go back into seed selection um, <laughs> was you mentioned stratification, gave mm. a couple examples. Um, how would anybody know what that is and how that affects the seeds that they want to grab. And I would hate to harvest seeds and not give it the proper stratification. Yeah. yeah. So I think too, one going back to strictly medicinals, um, Richo's website has really great um, instructions on yeah. what to do with their catalog. Seed, their catalog. Yeah. It's great, yeah. but we can give you some. Yeah. And I think just the overview know, of it, I guess. You know. Yeah. And I think too, again, stratification is going to give you a higher success rate you'll still have success without some of the stratification techniques. But a lot of it comes down to looking at that plant's inherent nature. Like, um, for instance, white sage, it likes to be, it's, it's a fire dependent germinator. So after it, it grew, it, it's from, you know, coastal sage scrub, which regularly burns. Well, after a fire, white sage will really, will really uh, pop up. So the, the technique is to mimic its natural uh, cycle. So, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, plants will need to overwinter. It, it naturally falls on the ground. If it germinated right away, it would die from winter, right? Winter's going to come in and kill that plant. So it's going to have a natural inhibitor 
that tells it, okay, I've been through a cold cycle now and now it's warming back up. Now I can go out and do that. So again, a lot of it's observation, um, definitely tap into the resources from strictly medicinals, or there's a lot of other sources online. He's got a great book too. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you're looking for a specific thing, but again, it's about increasing your germination percentage. You're still going to have some success if you don't do it, but, um, it, on certain plants, it's going to increase your ability to get more plants out of the seed. So I'm going to ask the really, really like beginner question. Can you define stratification? What exactly is that? Yeah, um, I'm not going to give a perfect definition. I could probably Sorry. look it up. But basically, to stratify is to, um, I'd say the best way to is you're mimicking natural systems to trick the seed into germinating trick the seed into thinking it's done something, whether that is overwintering or getting set on fire or going through a bird's stomach, um, you're going to create a, uh, a mock system. And the big three are, are uh, cold stratification. So you're going to put it in the fridge and take it back out. Um, there's uh, heat stratification or fire stratification, which isn't as necessary because they'll still germinate. And then the last one is scarification, um, which is kind of, we're just really rubbing it between really fine sandpaper to mimic that digestive process. And those are usually things that breaks are down eaten. the outer shell. Yeah. They're kind of, they're normally eaten by some animal for them to actually germinate. So right. by stratifying, you're kind of mimicking the natural cycle of the seed in its, in its perfect well, I, environment. And I don't even know if natural is more optimal, right? Sure. So yeah. yeah optimal. So, like yeah. you said, it could, it could germinate no matter what, but optimally it would like that environment to yeah. so like for the fire one you could theoretically make a small fire and actually put the dried plant parts that have the seed like the dried flower in there but probably yeah. not let it burn excessively hot or very <laughs> long i would yeah. suppose well, what you could do is you could uh you could even seed into like don't put it in plastic but right. you could put like a wood tray or some sort of a, a clay pot and you put your seeds in and then you could uh, tear up a little piece of paper and set that paper on fire on top of it. Ah. That alone would be enough. That'll be a, that'll give uh, it enough. So it's like heating it, but it's yeah. like heating it, it, not necessarily on the stove. No, yeah, no, yeah. It's too much. And even with the cold stratification, it doesn't. You know, you don't want to freeze it. It's it's a fine line. You don't put it in the freezer. Refrigerator's enough. Yeah. Um, it's got to get down. You know, below forty or something. Um, so. You know, it's it's one of those weird dynamics. It's like, how does this seed have the internal knowledge that it needs right. to go through a winter or some of them even two or three winters? So Isn't you're doing fascinating, though, you know, like how do they have <laughs> this genetic knowledge inside this little tiny seed to know that it's gone through a winter and now it's spring and it's ready to go. And and yeah, yeah so it's like instead of actually yeah. putting it out there in the fall and then hoping it pops up we're going to put it in the refrigerator for 30 days or 45 days and then pull it back out into 70 degree greenhouse and bam, it just thinks it had a winter. You know? <laughs> I wish we could do that. I know, right? <laughs> Boom, winter's done. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I just, why are you still in the freezer? <laughs> um, so now we can get to seed selection. Candice, you had a question. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah, I forgot my question. <laughs> I do wonder, though, I mean, as, as just a, like, tiny home gardener, I I have dabbled in selecting. I have probably not been very successful, and part of it is because I don't always know what I'm really looking for. 
when I'm trying to select for seeds, like calendula, for instance. I mean, I don't always know what I'm, what I should be looking for. What do you, what do you want? Yeah, that's what you want. Like yeah. you want for us, we want a really uh, resinous calendula, like when we're picking, right? Sticky yeah. fingers, and we want, uh, we like to have a, a deep dark orange color, and then. For picking like the larger flower the better is for us because yeah. we get paid by the weight right. so it takes just as long to pick a small flower than it does a big flower so um it's you know so we look at those qualities and then we are saving seed from a plant that has those qualities like for you like somebody else might be like i love the yellow ones well good right. thing that that's the dominant trait but um, so you just look for what you want, like whatever you want are looking for in that plant. Or, that's what you're going to select. What, or what's doing best with your gardening style. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, so, I, I know with calendula, I have accidentally managed to save seeds for calendula that are growing healthier through the winter than like the original ones. Great. They didn't, I had like two plants and mm -hmm. I, I think I saved seeds from those two plants really super late in the, like in December. You know, mm -hmm. I was ridiculously late. Um, and then the next year when I planted them, those plants lasted through the year. And what I found is that the calendula seeds I've been saving have been just lasting the plants. I have calendula blooming in my garden all winter long. Which is great. Which right. is shocking. But, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really important. You know, I mean, for us, like we're looking for specific attributes and calendula is yeah. a classic example. We couldn't grow calendula properly. Well, we couldn't right. pick it profitably. And the traditional one was resina, which is a high resin content, but it's a small yellow flower. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. so for our thing was, heck, if we can get that flower bigger, maybe we can actually afford to pick this thing. Yeah. But a lot of it is like, maybe you don't have a garden that has a lot of shade, but you want to grow nettle yeah. or mint, right? And a lot of that mint crop might not look that good or, well, mint would be more of a cutting, but maybe that nettle crop's not looking so good. Um, but there's a one or two plants that really seem to thrive in your garden. And those are the ones you want to save from, you know. Um, and a lot of us are lazy gardeners or lazy farmers on my perspective. And, you know, we want to go after the things that take the least amount of work. And it, it works with the way I'm doing it. So, you know, kind of like the echinacea example I gave earlier, um, you know, I could have gone to a lot more trouble to do a better job of, of trying to stratify that crop to get a higher germination rate. But it was easier for me to select the ones that worked with my lazy system. <laughs> and then eventually I had more and more plants that would work with, with me, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a big part of the dance. One thing that I've noticed too is it's easy to see the things you're looking for in the plant when it's in full bloom. And then you come back and it's like, well, which one had the big flowers? Again? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, you know, they all look dead now. And um, so a lot of what we do is we're actually out in the field in the season marking the plants that have those uh, things, whether it's putting a little ribbon on them or somehow flagging them so that the crew knows when you're out picking calendula, okay, I'm going to mark this plant and we're not going to actually pick those flowers. This one's right. saved for seed. And, um, you know, you know, on a garden space, maybe it's the only plant you have. So that's the one you're going to choose. But when you start getting multiple plants within your garden or your, your field, you know, you're really looking for which, you know, which one's the best. And I'm going to mark that because, yeah. you know, when I go back to save the seed, I'm, it's not going to be so noticeable. It's not going to be as recognizable. And um, we actually have people on our staff that that's their job is to go out and try to select the best of the stand. And when you have 20,000 plants, it's, you know, it's, 
it's easier and it's harder, yeah. but we have more to choose from, you know, we have more genetic variability. And it's really hard not to pick that calendula because it's so Because it's the best. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> I'm always the one who comes up and like sneaks a couple of those flowers. <laughs> So, and that's, you know, and that's part of it too, is having that, um, that patience of like, okay, this is the best one, but I'm going to save this because next year I'll have more best ones. You know, I'm going to have a higher propensity. They're all beautiful. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> and, and maybe it's a certain uh, fragrance or a certain a taste, or there's a lot of factors in herbs, a, 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 the amount of bitters. Or, you or know, like you said, Candace, like the one that blooms all winter, like that's yeah. such an amazing trait to have for yeah. any flower. So, yeah, or it's was, the one that I was wondering how you did that. <laughs> yeah, it was accidental, but that's how it worked. It's like, how is it it's dead of winter here? So, the other, the other place that I know I've personally failed in my seed saving is that I get my seeds and it's great. And I've got, you know, this like little lunch bag. You remember the little lunch bags that we used to carry yeah, to school? Yeah, yeah. So, I have my little lunch bag. And I even, I was even smart enough to write, you know, calendula on it. So, I do know these are calendula seeds. And there's some flowers and some other stuff in there. And then there's the seeds. And then I don't mark anything else about it. So mm. I've completely forgotten by spring, by the time I'm finally trying to pick out the the plant parts that aren't seed and all of that, I've completely forgotten. And I left it in the paper bag all winter, which may or may not have been good in my damp client climate, because <laughs> like you guys. So I know that that's an area where I have failed in that I probably am not saving these seeds really well once I've picked them. Mm. How do you do better? Well, um, we, we do keep ours. I mean, we try and keep them in closed airtight containers, but we do make sure that all the plant, if we don't process them, we make sure all the plant material is really dry enough because that is a problem, right? Having any kind of mold, you know, start to grow in there. Um, we plant, we always, uh, have the botanical name and the, uh, common name and the year and the location. So, even if you think like, oh, I know this is from my garden, you still put the name on there because you never know, like Aunt Susie gave you this calendula and you yeah. forgot to mark it or whatever. So it's oh, good yeah. to have that on there. And and seeds are good, really, can be good for years. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, a long time. And yeah. we've also gotten to where we, we marked on there specific traits we were saving for oftentimes. Mm -hmm. So like calendula, for instance, we'll put on there big orange. Do you know <laughs> nice. what I mean? Um, <laughs> or high resin or whatever it is you're going after. And then we'll oftentimes plant those crops next to each other. So they'll breed together to create certain uh, additional offspring, you know? So we're going to put the big orange ones next to the ones that are really resinous and hope to get a big orange resinous one, <laughs> nice. um, you know? So that's some of the, the advanced techniques, but, you know, making it, you can never leave too many notes for yourself because, right. you know, my brain, I can't remember 10 minutes from now. <laughs> yeah, That's right. what happened last fall. And the more people you have in your garden or your farm, it just gets really impossible to remember what happened. Um, so, you know, we have a tendency as herbalists to forget to label things. Um, oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We realize yeah, how yeah, labeling is, right? Because you, do you think, oh, yeah, I'll remember this. And then you get back to like, wow, okay. What was it about this that was so great? Um, and, and the other thing is, I think um, temperature controlled as much as you can. I mean, that's hard um, in dark, you know, dark environment is better. 
um, yeah. yeah for they the say storing. ideally for seed is humidity and temperature together should be less than 100. So if you're at 70 degrees Fahrenheit, you'd like it to 30, 30% humidity. That's, okay. of course, on a professional scale. No, yeah. right. um, you know, Rule of so thumb. For the average gardener, that's not, not important. But if you dry a plant properly, it's down below 12%. Right. So if, if that seeds at 12% and then you're at 70 degrees, you're only at 82%, at 82 total. Right. So you're well Super within that. Zone, you know? So probably for most people growing, saving the, putting their seeds or storing them somewhere inside their home is probably a fairly safe bet where they would put their other herbs is probably fairly yeah. safe. Yeah. You know, don't, don't have too much heat. Don't have too much light. It's yeah. very similar to how you'd store herbs. Yeah. It's almost identical. I was yeah. thinking wine, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, wine is more 50 degrees, babe. Cellar yeah. temperature there. Well, and you can store your seed at 40 or 50. That's fine, you know, and you can actually have a more humid environment because of that. Um, but you want to be careful that you're usually paper is not the best if you have a humid environment, right? Because it's mm -hmm. going to allow moisture to come back into that dry product and increase in humidity over time. So, you know, we try to avoid plastic. We're usually using uh, glass jars, but then putting them inside something that's dark, right? So yeah. they're not exposed to light. Well, who knew there was so much in that seed packet? Oh, yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. It's such a deal. It is. Well, it is. well I, I, I'm just fascinated by the that this part of gardening and farming that I've, no one ever really talks about. So thank you so much for your sharing your knowledge. Yeah, yeah. of course. Okay. So how can um, everyone find you? Yeah, well, oshalafarm.com is our website. It's O-S-H-A-L-A-F-A-R-M. And, and uh, yeah. Instagram, Pinterest, and uh, Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can find us all those places. Um, yeah, or just give us a call. Yeah, <laughs> and I will all make right. sure we have all those links on the show notes. Yep, they'll all be there. And um, so at the end of the show, we always do our tag. So do you remember what it was from last time? Yeah. I okay. Do. So are you ready? Ready. So as always, put, put an herb on it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration (FDA) and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.